This is your Drive Time News Blast, 30 minutes jam-packed with news of the day from a perspective of truth, liberty, and justice. This is Monica Perez. And I'm Brad Binkley. Today's top story, the market is in free fall. Free fall. It actually stopped trading. It fell so fast at the open, it stopped trading. So I have a lot to say about the coronavirus and all that that implies, but I want to read a funny couple of tweets first. Let's hear them. Indulge me. So Brandon tweeted out, real friend of the show, Brandon (laughs) tweeted out, dude, people are losing their shit over this bologna virus. (laughs) And then Venarchist Actual, our friend, who we just did a great podcast with, says... Is that the reason for all the TP shortages? Yeah. People are losing their shit. And in fact, <laughs> there are TP shortages. Like I was going to open the show. They kind of scooped me because I was going to open the show with I'm self-quarantining and stockpiling toilet paper. Of course, I'm not. But I did buy a pro-pure water filtration system, though, because I really don't know how much these people are going to screw us. And if they really start messing with us. It's real. open? Can I open with the most radical reference I will have ever made on the air? I've gone to the store at night plenty of times. Well, I want to react to (laughs) that. Yeah, yeah, go ahead. I've gone to Walmart multiple times, and the aisles have been cleaned out. And the worker there is telling me, because I stop and I ask the guys, I talk to them about people, you know, who's been coming in. Has there been a rush? He's like, yeah, it's crazy. People are losing their minds. I saw people coming out with, earlier in the day, like multiple cases are hoarding it. They're hoarding water. They're ho- hoarding toilet yeah. paper. That's like a default reaction. Let's, we need to get a bunch of paper towels and toilet paper and water. That's why you want so-called price gouging. If you have price gouging, if Costco made the price of bottled water like $1,000 a case, they would have it. They would have water. You know what I mean? Yeah. And then in the end, when it was worth $1,000 a case to you, no, but the argument against that is some people don't have a thousand dollars. It's like okay, so then nobody gets water. Like you might as well, if you have the correct pricing, barring the idea of extreme poverty. Plus, in a situation like this, where the scarcity is a hundred percent a function of the psychological impact of these panics and groupthink. Yeah, that's not what you want. You don't want people hoarding it in their homes where it cannot be back in the market. It's not never getting back in the market. I, I could see this being spun into an argument by progressives for universal health care because they've been talking about how the system's going to collapse. Not everybody can get tested yet. Only a limited number of people because of the tests that are going out there. The tests are expensive. This is going to play right into that argument that health care. Well, that's, that's the question for me about how this affects the election. Is it a health crisis? Is it an economic crisis? Both of those things, a health crisis might play towards getting the socialist. A, an economic crisis might play towards getting the capitalist, but it also might play towards uh, uh, not disfavoring the incumbent, which is normally like in an economic crash, the incumbent. So Trump would suffer from that because they'd say he can't run the economy. But this is a, something of a different crisis. This is kind of more like a war and a war favors the incumbent. So it's hard for me to figure out how this is going to play into November. Well, but speaking th- of yeah. war, they're going to start enacting what seem like war powers. And I've been hearing more that and more. That was the tweet yeah. that I got that was suppressed. I, I put two quotes from Event 201. One was 
uh, the CDC guy saying we need to be on a war footing. The other was the Henry Schein guy, guy saying we need a Marshall Plan, M-A-R-T-I-A-L, a Marshall Plan. And then the New York Times article that said the White House is looking for war powers. And you pointed out to me that that tweet was being suppressed and Twitter blamed me for it. Yeah. Said that the tweeter was the one. I, I've never suppressed anything. I don't suppress anything. Yeah, and the UK did the same thing. They were talking about war powers over there to stop the coronavirus, and I'm hearing more and more praise about China's effort to shut everything down, social distancing, draconian measures, and people are starting to, at least journalists or reporters in the mainstream media, are starting to concede we might have to enact some strict measures this is the dialectic emerging, and the people who are saying strict measures are probably on the left. Yes, they are. That's the sad part, is that we've come full circle where, I mean, obviously totalitarianism and communism are are compatible, but the left always thought they were for freedom. But when California went to mandatory vaccines and Governor Moonbeam over here makes uh, mandatory vaccinations and these people go right along with it, I feel like the left-right dialectic as it's emerging here is that China's draconian response is what our left or the Democrats are going to embrace, maybe just because it's not Trump, but I don't think so. I think it's deeper than that. And I heard on Fox some youth, a representative of the youth saying, because they were talking about social distancing, saying that Trump's response has been perfect and that He's shocked that people aren't responding to China's response with more censure. And then I started to think about the dialectic as it's going to unfold. So Trump is saying, don't panic. And you and I know this thing is a propaganda event. Yeah. So these guys. So when Trump comes out and says, don't panic, he there is going to be a large faction in the end by November that says he was right. Yeah. And then you're going to have the people on the left who say he was wrong. And in any case, they right. are going to converge with all this policy stuff. Right. No question about that. And he tweeted last night something that perfectly, perfectly plays into this. I do want to point out real quick. Right now, the Wall Street Journal headline is social distancing is the new coronavirus buzz phrase. We talked about social distancing a week and a half, two weeks ago. It, it, the stuff is out there. If you go to the CDC page, you go to the, the World Health Organization page, you watch their videos, you watch the, the Event 201 stuff, they, they tell you this. This stuff is foreshadowed in the news. But I want to read you Trump's tweet from last night real quick. He tweeted, The fake news media and their partner, the Democratic Party, is doing everything within its semi-considerable power. It used to be greater, exclamation point, to... <laughs> <laughs> oh, where is Randy Quaid when you need right. him? Right. Oh, he, yeah. <laughs> to inflame the coronavirus situation, the Democrat Party's done everything in their power to inflame the coronavirus situation far beyond what the facts would warrant. Surgeon General, he quotes the Surgeon General, the risk is low to the average American. That's a, a true He's statement. Right. Yeah. Even yeah, Sanjay right. Gupta, excuse me, even Sanjay Gupta, among his fear mongering on that CNN town hall, Coronavirus Facts and Fiction, which, by the way, I heard an ad today of Sanjay Gupta's new podcast he's starting called Coronavirus Facts versus <laughs> Fiction. Even during his fear-mongering during that, he'd be like, oh, there's the, the red blood all over the world tracking the coronavirus around, and he's, he's teaching people about masks, you got to go get tested, and he'll go, but you know, most people are going to be perfectly fine. He would slip comments like that in as like asides, and then they just move on and not address it. 
I was listening to a podcast that Wes Moss did. He was a financial guy on WSB. He is. And it was with a, I'm tempted to send him an email and be like, hey, dude, I've got some information for you, but I don't want to ruin his like headspace. But he was talking to a doctor from Johns Hopkins, an infectious disease specialist from Johns Hopkins, which is on the front lines of telling people how to think about coronavirus. And they, of course, were one of the three uh, entities that uh, organized the live simulation coronavirus event 201 in October. And this guy was saying two things that are, one is that, that Dean pointed out, tweeted at us that the fatality rate is less than 1% when properly analyzed because the fatality rate is always measured by the infection rate, not the symptom rate. So if infected people have many, many fewer infected people, have symptoms, then do have symptoms. You don't have symptoms, then do have symptoms. So if they're saying the symptomatic people is 1%, that they could easily be saying the fatality rate is 4% if they're doing it against people with symptoms who have been diagnosed and they're not. And that's why, and if it's under 1%, it's like normal, (laughs) you know, it's like a normal amount. And the other thing he said that I had been predicting and I didn't, this wasn't an event 201. It's one of the deviations, one of the very, very few deviations from it. In Event 201, it says it starts in Brazil and it festers in poverty-stricken areas of overcrowded megacities. And I thought, that's going to happen. But it's going to happen during their flu season. It probably happens anyway. You could probably identify how many pneumonia cases are fatal in in Rio every year, and it's going to probably be absolutely matched. They can. The reason they can they know what's coming, they can tailor their story to it, is because they know what happens in the seasonal flu and cold Every year. Yeah. And uh, and so what this guy said, and I'd completely be predicting is like when our cold and flu season is over, it's going to move into the southern hemisphere for their cold and flu season. And then it's going to come back here. And the novel coronavirus, just like the novel flu, the, the new flu of the season is always what gets people sick, because the ones that are existing are the ones we have antibodies for. That's why there's like 200 colds. If there was only one cold or 10 colds, you'd have had them all. And people over 40 would never get colds. They have to be novel ones. Yeah. I have two things to say in reaction to that. I think we're going to see something in the news to combat the idea that only old people with compromised immune systems and respiratory systems get sick, even though that appears to be what it is right now. Because I saw a tweet today from that guy, Andy NGO. I don't know how to pronounce his last name. He is the gay journalist who got beat up by Antifa. Oh, yeah. I remember that. He tweeted today that somebody he knows who is a 30-year-old, perfectly healthy doctor suddenly fell ill and included images of his respiratory system. (laughs) Like showing the before and after. But there's no difference between that and pneumonia. The emphasis on the tweet is... And this even is, vaping can make it look like that. This is a 30-year-old who is now who had no previous... Because they emphasize he had no previous illness, nothing compromised his respiratory system before. So the takeaway is that even if you're young, you could fall ill in an instant. And the second thing, I was listening to the CNN commentator, and she was talking about, we need to think about this virus. We need to think about not just what we're going to do right now, And she was talking about these draconian measures. We need to think about, this is going to last. It's going to be around. It's going to be with us 
we need to know what we're going to do for the next eight, nine months. I'm like, oh, that's an interesting number to pick. Eight, nine months right up to where the election is. It's just and so- that is what I thought was going to be the time frame for the economic correction all before I ever heard of coronavirus. It's so blatant. It's just so yeah. blatant the way no, they talk about it. It's almost like they're really talking to people who are very stupid. So, like, if you're, they have to just spell it out. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I almost wonder if they'll direct people to Event 201 so they fully understand <laughs> the implications of this. You know what I mean? Like, when are they going to unroll that call to action? Yeah. It's so shocking, though, the call to action. But then if you have half a mind, you can, like, see this stuff for the propaganda that it is. And then there, there's, so this is what I want to say, the most shocking thing. Are you ready? I'm ready. It's very shocking. You may not. I embrace myself. Not, not you may not, but please do not put this in the uh, headline because it'd be like a trigger word. Okay. All but right. okay. Have you noticed that there have been documentaries on Ted Kaczynski lately? I have. It's weird, right? Why would they start? promoting the story of the Unabomber. I don't know, but there's a reason, I'm sure. I don't know what the reason <laughs> is. I really don't. And I, I feel like it's to foment unrest or whatever. I don't know. That's just a wild speculation. But so I read his manifesto. <gasps> and he said that there's like, I know. Well, it was published in the New York Times. Yeah. He said like some of them have been distorted and you should only read like the official version or whatever. So I think I got the official version. But he points out, it's very interesting, I have to say. And uh, he points out, there's some really, uh, he says it's not original, but it's I've never seen it before. So there's a lot I could talk about, but I won't. I'll just tell you this one thing. He points out that in this society right now, he's like against technology. He is calling for a revolution that that he would accept a revolution that brought us before the industrial revolution. But what he's really calling for is one that brings us back to the hunter gatherer stage, because that's the only thing that's consistent with human contentment and independence. Okay, whatever. Like you got to just I'm not I haven't even finished it yet. So that is our most natural state. Yeah, I mean, and that's an easy thing to say, but he really lays stuff out like where it makes you think seriously about yeah. it. So, so anyway, I'm still thinking seriously about that. But what he does point out, and part of it is how we have absolutely no control whatsoever over our system. And I think that too, like if somebody wanted to invade your home, like you really would not have much control over it. And if you think about if the system began to collapse or if there were some kind of crackdown, like I think I, I think the implication is kind of like even the Second Amendment wouldn't really have it wouldn't be enough for you. I feel like the First and Fourth Amendment, they had to get rid of that originally so that you ha- you can't get ahead of any kind of political movement like that. And in the Second Amendment, if you read it, the first half of the Second Amendment is about a militia being necessary for a free state. And people say, oh, that's gun control advocates say without a militia, you don't need the Second Amendment. And I want to take it the opposite direction and say, without a militia, your guns aren't even aren't even going to do it. Like we should never have given up state militias. That was crazy. But but what I what I see, but how it ties into what I'm seeing in the coronavirus thing is this entire thing. So I was in church yesterday. I still can't receive communion. The Pope said gluten-free Eucharist is not allowed. Is, is the Pope I wearing can't... any protection 
No, the Pope is only doing vi- visual things, virtual mass. He supposedly has a cold. I wonder if he's going to be the first like celebrity casualty. I, I have to say to that but point. I'm not finished with my. Oh, sorry. Stuff. Yeah, I'll, I'll comment after. You want to just make a note of it? Yeah. So, so this, so we were in church, and I, so I can't receive communion. We can't do the kiss a piece where you shake each other's hands, which I'm never a fan of anyway, really. But I was bummed about the Eucharist. I'm surprised at how really, really bummed I am. And, but I sat there and I'm always constantly, constantly, constantly noticing how many people, especially little kids, are freaking hacking up a lung in church. And then we got to shake each other's hands. It's gross. I don't care. I don't worry about it. I'm not a germaphobe at all. I actually think germs make me healthier. Not worried at all, unlike you. But I'm listening the entire time for coughing, sneezing, and um, sniffles. I heard none, not one. The entire church was absolutely packed, yet we're all acquiescing to this, you know, shelter in place BS. If one person sniffles, everybody turns to look at him. I have stopped myself from sniffling when I started to because it went through my head. When I hear somebody sniffle, I look over and I'm like, so I don't want to sniffle. Yeah, me too. No, I'm trying to tell people like allergies, allergies, you know. You're getting the firing squad if we sniffle. Yeah, people are freaking out, but but here's the thing. So all this stuff is happening. The market is in free fall. People are stockpiling toilet paper. They're closing events everywhere. They're closing down. Uh, they're closing down transportation. All the things Event 201 said, but all of it, absolutely all of it, is coming down from the top, and it's coming down simply in words and diktats. The crisis is not people on cots. The crisis is the reaction. So you know how normally it's crisis, reaction, solution? The crisis is the reaction. That's the crazy part. And that is what makes me think of Kaczynski because I realize that we absolutely have no control. Well, I know it's BS, yet I have to accept that I might not be able to get fresh water clean water. And what am I going to do about it? I don't have that. That, yeah. The, the effects of it are real. The effects of the panic are real. And Ted Cruz, an example, I think of this is him signaling to the public of what a responsible person should do if they're even at the same conference as somebody who tests positive. I mean, it was just, he was at the same conference, CPAC. Yes, CPAC had... Some How many people whatever. were there? So he comes out and it's a big it's show. Just a cold. That Everybody he is, has a cold. He's quarantining. He is self-quarantining. They're pushing. He's lazy. He wants to stay home from work. They're pushing this idea hard <laughs> of self-quarantine, and they have been the past few days. They want to condition people to if they sniffle at all, if their their throat is a little bit scratchy, to say, "I'm staying home. I'm staying away from people." They want people to be afraid and go to retreat into their homes. Is he going to shave his I give up beard? Because you know, the that's beards, a, a risk factor. The beard is a risk factor. He's got to get his creepy beard stuff. away. So let's just talk for one second about, and we'll say what you think is, but that the social distancing thing, my kids already have, are like very digitized, very disconnected socially. And my daughter said we were watching, I can't believe I watched this with her. I didn't realize how bad it was. It was called Super Bad. Oh, you hadn't seen that? I guess I'd seen it, but I didn't realize how terrible it was. Yes, it is funny, but she's she's growing up and I I don't know. Anyway, so we watched it. Don't tell my husband. And uh, she... She's like, oh, I wish there were still parties like that. And I was like, what, where people are sitting around in the living room drinking beer? She said, yeah. And I said, what do you mean? She said, oh, at our parties, everyone's sitting around on their phones. 
Yeah. And I was like, wow, that is so sad. She said, that party looks like fun. And I'm like, don't do anything they're doing at that party Everybody's ever. checking to see how the other party's <laughs> going. <laughs> Just sit on, on your phones. phone. No, but it's not like I've actually gone the other way where I'm like, you know what? I hope you do go to a real party someday. I mean, I don't want you to get beat up or the cops to come or you to barf in a bush, but <laughs> it would be nice if you had some social interaction, even if you catch a cold. Pretty soon it's going to be people just hanging out on their computers talking the, through FaceTime, partying the, that way. It's going to be totally demolition man, virtual reality, dating. I think you're right on with that. I am wondering, we talked about this briefly off air and we've mentioned it a little bit on air. If Trump and Bernie, who are campaigning around the country, they're having rather both known for their big rallies of gathering masses of people oh, yeah. into small spaces, which is the exact thing that the media is now saying we cannot do. We cannot attend these. And Trump's coming out and, and speaking out against that. I'm wondering if we're seeing a collision course of the coronavirus and either Trump or Biden. Or, I don't know if one of them's going to get it or not. I, I bet that at some point, I'm wondering how long it's going to be before the media starts to say, well, Ted Cruz self-quarantined. Trump, there was somebody who tested positive at his rally, maybe Bernie's rally. If Trump does not self-quarantine, if Bernie does not self-quarantine, they are putting this country at risk. The president must self-quarantine. And it's going to be that battle about self-quarantining. Well, Trump would love to do that because he's a germophobe. If they make him come down with it, I'll be shocked. Yeah. Uh, one more thing. And what Biden should do, they could play this a couple ways. This is an opportunity to show Biden is healthy and strong. They could claim that Trump or, or Bernie got it and Biden could not get it. He could seem stronger or Biden could pretend to get it, come back stronger two weeks later and show that he's not an old fumbling fool, that he has a strong, healthy immune system. You know what? I th I wonder what will happen now that I just really don't know which way they're going to go with the election. Yeah. I mean, if there's a paradigm shift in the world and the war with Iran is not like I gave up on the idea that war with Iran was the goal. I don't think so. Now I think Iran totally cooperates. They're ground zero on some of this stuff. Yeah. And they're told, but Russia, on the other hand, is not featuring in the news. I don't think they got buy-in for this from Russia. And now Saudi Arabia is attacking them by cutting the price of oil. But that's something else for another time. I know Iran is saying that it's an American bioweapon. Russia might also be on board with I, that. You know, I saw what Iran said, their, their defense minister or whatever. But that just feeds into the event to a one thing. He's like coughing on a child while he's yeah, talking. Yeah, it's... It's just not that is part that to me means they're completely buying into the narrative, yeah. which makes me think that Iran really showed their hand as being playing this dialectical game over there. So now I really don't know there's if there's a real like we did this great interview with James Corbett last night, which I think will be up probably tomorrow. Mm -hmm. And uh, and we were talking about the if this were to be used as a paradigm shift and he pointed out kind of the coming of the new monetary order, and this might be the trigger for that. I hadn't gone that far myself prior to that, but I did see it as the recession, as zero interest rates, as that kind of stuff. We don't know. It's yet to be seen. I know he's cautious like that in making predictions, but if that is, if there is a par paradigm shift afoot, I don't know if they want Trump in there or Biden or anybody. I don't know at all. But if they were to put Biden in, because it looks like Biden, I, I presume he's going to get the nomination. Kamala Harris is supporting Biden at this point. I mean, it's kind of crazy. 
if they put Biden in, yeah. they they will they might be setting him up for the 25th Amendment thing that they were going to use against Trump. And then it really matters who his VP is. He'll put up a fight. You'll get a lot of drama. They love drama. But if it's Stacey yeah. Abrams, she will be president of the world at the end of this. I think you nailed that a or long time ago when president you said of the third world. whoever is his vice president is going to be the one that they look to. And I know that right now, Stacey Abrams is one that a lot of people are saying he's considering, which we talked about that a long time ago. Like years Michelle ago, Obama. when she first said, this is my road to the White House, I mean, governor's mansion, we were like, yeah. uh, mark that. <laughs> well, the other one people are talking about a lot is Michelle Obama. And Michelle Obama yeah, would yeah, be a better yeah. no, choice. No, everybody says that. Everybody says that, but she, I'm not yeah. buying it. And Hillary is the as the wild card people. I'm not buying it. I'm not that. buying that I'm either. Not, but that's what Michelle people are and saying. Hillary. I don't th- unless it's destined to lose. But if there's any chance it's going to win, or if someone has to lead the opposition, well, Stacey Abrams could lead the opposition from afar. Yeah. But this would give her that extra boost in in notoriety that she needs because I'll still see people tweet at me when I say something about her and they'll say, she's just a flash in the pan. She came and went. She's a, an also ran. I know they are mistaken. And I'm like, so she still doesn't have that, uh, unstoppable gravitas kind of image that, that she's projecting to you and me. It it hasn't really made it to the big time. So if Biden is running and then he's like incapacitated half the time with Alzheimer's and she's the one who's on the stump and she, and they win or lose that will put her in that spotlight. Yes, absolutely. Uh, Michelle Obama's already there. I'm, I don't know that she'd really do it. I'm not buying that she'll do it either. I agree with I'll that. I'll tell you why. She I don't would think be she's the smarter choice, but I don't think she's going to do it. I'll tell you why. I don't think she's going to do it. She is, most of the created persons happen in teens, not her. She was a hard hitting pain in the ass with her like totally offensive militant comments, and they transformed her into the good wife. They made Michelle Obama a glamour queen. Yeah, okay? they did. And she can act. And she's She beloved. is up there. She's doing this tour. They are making millions and millions. That is probably how she's making book money because of the live events, which you always say make a lot mm-hmm. of money. And they do. And she is. She's got a good thing going. I think she's in her exact right spot. I think if you promote her, it'll be like the Peters principle or Peter principle where you promote them out of their highest and best use. And then they're no longer use for you. Then they're failure. The Peter so, principle is what that Peter is. Principle, yes, Peter principle. Yes. Peter principle. So I think she and everybody else knows this is that she's great with this facade. This is where she belongs. And to put meat on those bones, no. Whereas Stacey Abrams is that hard hitting leadership image that she's that Manchurian also an candidate. She's not a Manchurian. She's it's written all over her face. She's the CFR. She's everything. That's what I'm saying. She's a programmed like sleeper agent. No, the Manchurian candidate is when you are you're working for the opposition. She she can only be a Manchurian candidate if she's working for Ron Paul. That's what a Manchurian working for the opposition is. is if she's working for the international global order. No, no, the Manchurian candidate is. The super right wing guy was really an activated communist asset and didn't yeah. even know it. I just mean she's programmed and, and might not even know it in some ways. Or oh, she does I totally it. disagree with that. Yeah, she she's... absolutely 100 percent knows it. She's in the CFR or she was and she was worked for the yeah. State Department. She worked for Lucas Oil. She loves it. She, actually, she knows all of that <laughs> stuff. She, the, what she might not know is that she's a face job. She might think she's actually the leader. Yeah, that is possible. That, but that's that's where it, her her <laughs> delusions begin and end, in my opinion. So, 
Boy, we did cover a lot of that. There is I just so can't much. get enough of this coronavirus. It's so... Well, it's, but we folded in other stuff. The election, yeah. the the Saudi Arabia with this oil thing in Russia. Okay, I don't know how Russia is going to emerge on this, uh, on this front, but Saudi Arabia, we're not really getting any news. Like, what the hell is really going on in the world while well, we're not paying attention at all? Mm-hmm. Saudi Arabia just arrested and released members of the royal family. I mean, Saudi Arabia underwent a coup at the hands, I believe, of like Trump and Kushner and internal things where some like young buck took over as the heir apparent or the actual leader at this point. And that, so I don't know what's going on there, but it also coincided with what they're saying, like that, that Saudi Arabia lowering the oil price is exacerbating the stock market route. I mean, they're just throwing everything at this. I think, I don't know if they're trying to trigger the recession. I don't know how they're going to not. I mean, technically, by definition, GDP going backwards is a recession. And I think there's no way to avoid that this quarter. I don't know. I don't know what the implications are. Whatever. Negative interest rates. I didn't say that. I don't know. 2020 is going to continue to be a wild ride, I think, as they continue to throw massive psychological operation at us. Oh, can I give a shout out to the Truth or Theory podcast that I was on recently? They somehow, I don't know what happens. Like when people podcast with me at night and they ask me like questions, I just like let my hair down, act like it's just us. And then I've got these podcasts out there that I'm like afraid to listen to. But these guys did ask me some some interesting questions about what I think about conspiracy theories outside the rational realm stuff like that it was I think it was really good so if people want to listen to that they can and then you and I did a podcast with a veterkist which people can uh, that's smoke pit story time and we can we're, we're probably going to post both of those in our feed yeah. at some later date when we take a day off but if you want to hit their feeds I think they'd love it Check it out, and you guys can find your Drive Time News Blast every weekday afternoon at thepropreport.com or your favorite podcasting platform with the Propaganda Report podcast feed. We will have that Corbett interview up late tonight. You guys can check that out tomorrow, and uh, we'll talk to you later.